Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everyone? Today, I wanted to take a bit more of an optimistic approach to the U.S. men's national team. There hasn't been much to be happy about other than qualifying recently, so I really wanted to take a look at our youth pipeline and talent development. So I brought in Marcus Shiraz, who you might know as Marcus Kai on Twitter. He is an expert in all things youth teams and scouting, so I hope you enjoy. And if you learned something new, make sure to like this video. I would love it if we could get to 500 likes on this. Thanks so much and enjoy. For anyone that doesn't know you, you're a big part of the Twitter community for the U.S. Men's National Team. You track a lot of the young players that are in our pool, but personally, I think you have a lot of the relevant and pragmatic takes that I love to see on Twitter that seem rare these days with some of our more more upset fan base. But tell the people watching who you are, what you're all about, and, and what you're here to talk about today. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I, the feeling is mutual. I think um, one thing I respect about your channel and, and your perspective is that there's a level of empathy and calm-headedness that sometimes we don't always see uh, on social media in general. So I think the more of that from, um, I mean, any community, but the USMNT community uh, is good for everyone. So thank you. Um, yeah, so I, I honestly got into um, the USMNT sort of soccer uh, community a couple years ago. Um, I fell in love with the team in college at Santa Clara University and really stayed in kind of the background for a long time. And as I saw this kind of new generation of players emerging, um, I just wanted to kind of be more of a proactive voice in everything that was going on. Uh, I've always had an interest in, in scouting. Um, I actually used to do a little bit of work in American football scouting, ironically enough, and um, am a success story of sort of like not caring about American football too much <laughs> anymore and really, uh, really focusing all of my attention on, uh, on soccer. So, so yeah, I spend a lot of my, you know, my spare time um, looking at up and coming players uh, in the, in the U S soccer world, um, like all of us spending a lot of time focusing on the senior team, but um, felt like there could be more voices in the kind of youth soccer community, uh, more people, uh, bringing different perspectives. Um, and so that's that's where I've been focusing a lot of my attention. Awesome. I'd love to just dive deeper today into not just like what the U20 and U17 US teams look like, but at yeah. a truly local level. Um, we'll get to the GA Cup and some of the teams and players that were there, but really just taking like a wider, more holistic approach at our talent pipeline and not necessarily yeah. focusing so much on the dedicated youth national teams that the U.S. calls up. Um, but I want to start because recently you put a Twitter post out that was really digging into the pipeline to the pros and yeah. really trying to figure out like where do the pros come from now, whether it's MLS or European academies, how do people actually 
become professionals and join the U.S. national team in the future. What did you find? Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's fixtures. And don't forget that Major League Baseball is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series this year? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Yeah, um, something I had been sort of just documenting, sketching notes about over the last few months, um, inspired a bit by uh, uh, Justin Moran, I think his handle is Kickwish. And he, he put something out there that was sort of looking like where successful pros coming from. And so I wanted to take a little bit of a deeper dive into that. Um, and and the, the short answer is it's just changing uh, pretty, I'd say, uh, pretty drastically. And um, part of that change is the evolution of MLS academies or U.S. soccer academies in general, Um, more MLS clubs, uh, seeing the value in playing young players, not just for on-field performance, but for, you know, commercial performance for the club. Um, And so as more clubs are kind of defining that pathway, I think you're seeing players see different ways to get to the highest levels of competition in Europe. So, um, so it's changing. And I'd also say that um, it's not always going to be like one path is the right path. I think we hear that a lot. And I think that's important. Every player's journey or path to success is going to be a little bit different. There are family dynamics. There are all kinds of dynamics that are going to play a role in the path a player chooses to take. And so I think the important thing is to, to not uh, get focused on any particular path uh, and understand that, you know, it's individual decisions. So the, the most, uh, where I started to look was in, in kind of 1998 uh, age level, because I think that's where we really started to see a change. That's like really where we started mm-hmm. to see like this new generation um, start to impact the U.S. soccer landscape. And so, you know, some of the, the critical names there are uh, Christian, Weston McKinney, Luca De La Torre, even Haji Wright was a m- massive youth player. And so, like, mm-hmm. his path was worth looking at. Um, and he's sort of reemerging. So interesting timing there. Um, so, yeah, they're, you know, in the late 90s, I think you had a lot of really talented young players coming through. And uh, there was not a lot of obvious, like, I'm going to join an MLS academy. I'm going to have a chance to play on the first team. And that, that exposure is going to get me to a big club in Europe. That just wasn't an obvious pathway. So you see a lot of these players going to European academies at a young age. Um, and then I think in the early 2000 birth years, you started to see that shift where um, – there were more examples and success stories of players being able to develop through the MLS Academy, playing at a first team, playing on the senior team, 
and getting transfers to bigger clubs uh, in Europe. And we can talk about a few of those examples. Um, so those are kind of like the two main pathways you're seeing. The other one I don't think we'll talk much about because I think it's always just going to be there because of the globality of, of you know, Amer Americans is like the, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, players that just grew up in Europe. And, uh, you know, or dual nationals that grew up in Europe or expat, you know, families are expats. So the Serginio Des, the Eunice Musas, uh, even the, you know, Anthony Robinsons, Cameron Carter Vickers, like those are always going to be there. They grew up in Europe. They're going to probably develop to the European Academy, uh, European academies and, and make their way there, though. I have a theory on, you know, that potentially changing in, in, in the coming years. We can also talk about. Yeah, definitely. I do want to talk about maybe someone that exemplifies that newer age of a player coming through the MLS academies. And maybe we can just kick it off by touching on Jesus Ferrer being the first designated player that is playing for his homegrown team. Do you feel like that was an inflection point for what you're talking about? Or is it more deep seated in just the academy and moving into the first team before being sold to Europe? I think that's... Um... I see that as sort of a separate trend, but also an important one and something uh, you're seeing uh, more often for players that are, that maybe develop a little later or aren't maybe seen initially as super high end prospects. So I also think about a, a Georgie Mihailovic where mm -hmm. like you're seeing maybe players in their early twenties who maybe as an 18, 19 year old, wasn't getting a lot of, attention from European clubs, but are now performing at really high levels in MLS. And I'm really interested to see how, um, like what their careers end up looking like. So like Jesus, obviously, uh, you know, being the first to develop through a program, become a DP, becoming a star in MLS, uh, starting to have, you know, a good amount of success with the, the national team. Georgie kind of the same, um, although he's not with, you know, he came through the Chicago program, but, uh, you know, he's you know, in 1998, took a little bit longer to develop, but, you know, now I think there's significant interest in Europe. So um, I think that's also a pathway where uh, you stay with an MLS club a bit longer. Uh, you're developing in your early twenties. And I think there's a lot of, you know, good American players in MLS in their early twenties. And it'll be interesting if to see like who stays and just makes a career out of being in the MLS and who maybe gets a chance a little bit later. You're, you're even seeing, you know, guys like, um, like an Austin trustee, right? He's same, same class. I think he's in 1998 and um, you know, he took a, a bit longer to, to develop and now he's, he's going to get a chance overseas. Yeah. I feel like that move to Arsenal happened and then everybody forgot about it again. Like it came out of nowhere and we also still forget that he is an Arsenal player. Um, maybe yeah. we can just finish up this conversation. I was actually going to shout out Justin Moran as well um, at Kickswish. He said a lot of the fans view going to the MLS as a promising player is basically giving up. And what you are seeing in a trend is kind of saying the exact opposite. So what are your views on maybe just tidying up that conversation around like what is best for each player 
is what it will get them to the highest level. Yeah, I, I think um, I think what to me a, a, an inflection point in MLS Academy to MLS first team to getting a big chance in Europe was kind of uh, and, and Justin called this out like Tyler Adams, Mark McKenzie, Brendan Aronson, um, you know, even like even like a Reggie Cannon. Like these were big moments where. I think young people are just looking for case studies or success stories and say, okay, that's something I could do. And what's, what's really important now for MLS clubs is for all of them for the most part are, are doing a good job of investing in their academies, but not all of them have displayed a pathway from if you perform, you will get an opportunity to play on the first team. And if your goal is to play in Europe, uh, we will try to make that happen for you. Some clubs are, you know, Philadelphia obviously did a really great job of that with Mark McKenzie, Brendan Aronson, and you see the new, their new generation of talent that'll likely have that same opportunity. So I think as a young person and you see, you know, you're, you're an, at an academy that have shown that that's going to be a priority, like that's a great option uh you're you know i think brendan aronson maybe and tyler adams are probably the best cases that we've seen go through that pathway where you know tyler's playing at a massive club he's a contributor at a massive club and he came through the red bulls program like all the way through and the same with brendan who's now you know looking to probably get a pretty significant transfer and made a huge impact in the champions league so that's exciting and young people are going to see that and be excited by that. Um, but that, you know, there are other clubs that don't have those case studies and, and a young person might look at themselves and say, I don't know if I'll have that opportunity. And so maybe the best path for me is to get to a European Academy as soon as I can and, you know, take my chances there. And I'd love to talk a little bit about, about that pathway because I think there's we're seeing some interesting things happening in the kind of 2000 2001 group where a lot of kids that moved to European academies earlier like you know fighting to get traction um, and even like you know what we're seeing with some people coming back to MLS um, and I think there's a lot of, of good discourse about whether that's good or not right so are you kind of meant th thinking about players like maybe Alex Mendez or even Matthew Hoppy? Like, are yeah. they kind of in that category? Yeah. So I think you see a lot of it with some of the Galaxy Academy players and RSL Academy players. So the, yeah, the Ledesmas, Mendez, Yuli, um, they, you know, a lot of them left academies early, tried their luck at different places in Europe. Um, having varying success, as I said, every every pathway is unique to the individual. Um, but you know, if 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 they were, you know, in the Union Academy or Red Bulls or Dallas, um, and they saw a, a, a uh, you know success stories happening, would they have stayed longer and and kind of seen that through, or maybe just like they're they were dead set on going to 
to Europe and yeah. it didn't matter where they were. So that that's that's where, you know, the individualism comes into play. But um, but yeah, you, you, you have to think that the more you see your club uh, facilitating that pathway, the likely, you know, longer they are to, to stay. And that's that's only good for for MLS, right? That that's yeah. what they should yeah. be striving for. So what do you think this means for fans of the national team going forward? Do, you, do we as fans need to change our perception of how development works and really like think inclusively about the, the entire spectrum of how players develop? Because I, I think right now, like, yes, there are broadly talking like people that prefer players to go to Europe as soon as possible, people that prefer players to stay in MLS and get as much playing time as possible. Like if you could talk to the entire fan base about how they should expect this development to work going forward because of the sweeping changes that you're seeing across the development landscape, how should we change our perception of how these things work? Yeah, that's a that's an important question. Um, thanks for asking it. Yeah, I think to me the important thing is um, to be patient and to know that uh, there are lots of paths to success. And I think what we've seen in the last four or five years is that there, there are lots of viable paths to success. Um, you can be a, you know, there are going to be hopefully more, but a few high, high level prospects like a, like a Gio Reyna um, who they should get to Europe as soon as possible because their likelihood of succeeding and coming through a European Academy are high. And so the, the, the faster they can get to um, better competition uh, is probably a good thing. But there are also players who are good prospects that um, it's already hard enough, I think, being a, uh, an international player or an American player in a European Academy. Um, and development pathways are not linear they're not the same for everyone and so staying at an mls academy where i think we found um, and something that was really enlightening to me at the, the the ga cup recently is they're competing and performing at really high levels and i think coaching and the infrastructure here is getting better and better so it is not a negative thing for a player to be 2021 20, coming through an mls academy playing with the first team and then getting a look um, in Europe. Uh, that oftentimes mean they just took a little bit longer to mature and develop. Um, Cause one thing you're seeing, especially with the 2003s is players who stick through Academy and play in the first team, they're getting chances with their European first teams faster. Uh, whereas I think you see players that go to European academies early it's taken a really long time for them to get a chance. Um, and I think it, that just speaks to how grueling and difficult it is to make it through a European academy. So I think in a lot of cases, stay, staying with MLS is a good thing. And we're seeing a lot of, of that with, uh, you know, like uh, George Bellow and the, the recent mm -hmm. kind of class of players that moved over, uh, Pepe, Justin Che, Kevin Paredes. Not all of them a ton, but they're on first team school and they're getting some opportunity and you aren't seeing that with a lot of the 2001 the 2000s because uh they hadn't proved themselves as 
first team players yet. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good transition for kind of moving into this generation Adidas cup that has just happened, which featured some of the best youth teams in the world. Um, Can you tell us what, what happened there and kind of what stuck out to you the most? Yeah. So, and I should say I'm, I'm fairly green when it comes to like the youth Academy landscape in, in the U S I'm probably only a year or two in to it. So I'm like, I'm learning as well um, and getting a lot of good information from people who've been doing it for a while. Um, so it was my first real GA Cup experience. It, it hasn't been uh, around since 2019 because of the pandemic. Um, so yeah, they a lot of huge academies, like massive, massive global powers and development powers were at the GA Cup. So, um, and, and then all MLS academies were there. Um, so Manchester United, uh, Roma, Flamengo, uh, River from Argentina, uh, Valencia, uh, a lot of the big uh, Liga Mekis powers, Tigres, uh, Monterrey, um, uh, Pumas. Like, so we're talking like big, big, big academies coming to the U.S. to play uh, our MLS academies. Um, it was pretty pretty cool, pretty fun. Yeah. So one thing that that happened there is that Seattle's youth team won, I believe the the U17 age group. Um, That was quite surprising because they have two players that are eligible for that team, Leva and Vargas, who are currently with Seattle's first team and actually getting minutes there. So what happened there to allow a youth team without their two best prospects to flourish in this tournament? And Maybe like, are there other names that have now emerged on that team that we should be thinking about? Yeah, and and small curve, um, it was uh, it's uh, Reed Baker, Whiting, and Vargas who are the two O fives. Leva's in O three, um, but yes, I mean uh, Baker Whiting played with them up until I want to say like quarter finals, um, but he, he got called back to Seattle. <laughs> Ovid Vargas, who's probably, you know, he's the first 2005 that's really made a massive impact um, in, in a first team. Yeah, both didn't play with Seattle and they ended up winning the tournament, which is remarkable, right? Like that's, those are two, those would without a doubt be their two best players in that age group. So I think it speaks to a couple things. I think broadly what I saw is, um, MLS academies being able to hang with, with some of the bigger academies in the world, which was for me really uh, uh, exciting and uh, encouraging to see, but Seattle specifically. um, Yeah. I think it speaks to the, to the program, right? Because I, you wouldn't, I mean, necessarily like the academies jobs aren't typically to, to win tournaments. Their jobs are to, uh, develop a, a game model throughout the the system and to develop stars and impact players, um, which Seattle's obviously showing that they can do. Uh, but they just have such a great culture and system that they're actually, they won the 2019 one as well. And they were the first uh, MLS Academy to win at that level uh, at the GA Cup. So they're back-to-back winners technically, um, which just goes to show um, 
how good of a job they're doing of like implementing their philosophy and a winning culture through, you know, throughout the entire system. Yeah. Um, so I think there the second, other teams that, sorry. I was going to the second part of your, your question, which, you know, some players that stuck out, uh, stood out, excuse me, for Seattle, um, aside from, you know, uh, Reed Baker Whiting, who didn't play the last couple games. Uh, excuse me. And um, yeah, so uh, I just a few names I'd call out. Um, one player that got a lot of attention, and rightfully so, he scored a lot of goals in kind of the the, the playoff portion of the tournament, which was Christopher Aquino. He's a left-footed 2006, very smooth on the ball, had some nice goals, um, really comfortable in traffic, which I like to see at a young age, like knows how to just get out of sticky situations. Uh, so he performed really well. I think Stuart Hawkins is a center back that's played with the U-17s of the U.S. youth national team. Um, I think he won, uh, might have won player of the tournament at that level. And in, gen in general, Seattle was just really sound uh, defensively. And so he, he played a big role in that. Um, and there's a 2007 who played up, uh, I think, the pronunciation is Aiden Vallard. Um, he's a winger. He also scored in the final. He scored the second goal in the final. Um, there are a few 2007s playing up a level in, in the tournament that I saw, and um, he was one of the better ones, just super high-energy, pacey winger that um, really kind of stepped up in that final. So, yeah, there, there's some exciting players to watch. When you When you say years, it's – like it doesn't immediately hit you, but that means those players are 14 or 15 years I know. old. I know. <laughs> I feel a bit, sometimes I feel a bit like it's like wrong. Like they're young, <laughs> like just let them, let them be, you know? But yeah. I think, I think people need to know and, and be excited about the next generation of players. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a quick second. And then I want to ask you just to wrap up some of the other teams and players that, that you had seen that really stuck out to you. But on that point, like how indicative of future success are tournaments like the GA Cup and performances from players like that in these tournaments? Yeah, um, it's a good question. And I don't know if I'm going to have like a, a super sound answer to it. I think maybe because I, you know, I don't have a lot of like historical data, but in just watching the, the GA Cup, I think, uh, one thing you could clearly take away is this year MLS academies performed uh, much better against these international academies than they ever have before. So I think you cannot discount that. Um, and I think just the eyes watching these, these matches, they're hanging in, you know, they're, they're technically um, tactically uh, pretty on par. I think, at times physically, um, you see some of the other academies just look a bit bigger, stronger, faster. And I think that just speaks to a little bit the, um, the priority of, of youth sports, you know, in other countries versus ours, like top, top athletes in Brazil and England, mm -hmm. they're playing football. Um, there's a lot more competition here, obviously, for young people and what sports they're playing. Um, but I think what we should be encouraged by is 
at the U17 and U15 level, um, there were, you know, really strong MLS teams that were taking it to some of what we all consider the best academies in the world. Like uh, teams that, you know, didn't, you know, these tournaments are tricky like any tournament, but like some of the more impressive teams that put on the most impressive performances didn't make it super far in the tournament for lots of different reasons. But I look at like what the, the union U17s uh, did to Flamengo, like they went toe to toe and took it to them, like beat them. Um, LAFC went, uh, or uh, excuse me, LA Galaxy went toe to toe with Manchester United. Like I think outplayed them in the run of play in the round of sixteen, and had some players that were just incredible. I think Alejandro Alcala got a lot of love because he was just ripping through Manchester United's yeah. left side of the defense, and it's just like. That kind of stuff, I don't think you were seeing as much four or five years ago. And so that's reason, I think, for U.S. soccer fans to be excited is that there's just a bigger sampling of players or what people call lottery tickets that are high-end players that could make it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think the general consensus is that there is more volume yeah. of players coming through more volume of successful academies that can develop players like this instead of picking one lottery ticket at a time like Christian Pulisic sending them to Dortmund and hoping and praying yeah, that he like becomes it. a player um, yeah. whereas now there there are a hundred players that conceivably are at Christian Pulisic's level at 16 or 17 years old and it's just how do they develop from there but it's, it's the volume that I feel like has changed throughout the last five or ten years yeah I would agree. I wouldn't say yeah. they're all Christian Pulisic level. Yeah. But yes. Special case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so in that tournament, there were U15s, there were U17s. You mentioned the winger that got some love, the highlights against Manchester United. Um, I'll make sure to put that up on the screen so people can watch that as we're talking about it. But were there any other players that you just want to make sure the US man, the USMNT fan base knows and is looking out for? Ah, uh, yeah, it's going to be difficult for me to keep it tidy. Um, I did write uh, an article on the U17s and, and kind of went pretty deep on on like who stuck out to me, um, which we can get out to people. Um, and that's on chasingacup.com? It is, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> put, it, put it as a link down below and um, put it up on screen. Thank you, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll go by, I'll just call out a couple of names by level. Um, let's see. So on the, the 2005 side, um, a couple of players that stuck out to, or stood out to me, don't know why I keep saying stick out. Um, uh, Pierre from uh, Philadelphia Union is a striker. And obviously I think the, the, the U.S., MNT community are, are begging for for striker options so I'll start with uh with him he uh in that Flamengo game that is the one that was broadcasted that I watched he came on at half um he's a player that's already playing for MLS next pro their their union two side um kind of reminds me of DK in terms of a profile just super athletic likes to get in behind defenses um showed some really good movement off the ball and scored a really nice goal uh, versus Flamengo. 
he uh, is definitely a player to, to keep an eye on. Another 2005 that I'd call out is someone who's actually already on a homegrown and playing a little bit in MLS. Uh, I think he scored his first professional goal last night is Nico Shakiris. Um, so he's a center midfielder for San Jose Earthquakes. Um, as I said, playing a little bit, he, I watched the Earthquakes play River, uh, which is River's another, I think they've won this tournament more than, than any academy. Um, just like really strong on the ball, good, like controlling midfielder, um, really good kind of in pushing the game forward. I thought he uh, performed uh, really well uh, in the game that I watched. I'll go to the, the 2006 uh, level. Um, some people that are some, some young people that really stood out to me uh, was uh, Cruz Medina, which I think there's a lot of uh, excitement around. And again, another San Jose Earthquakes player. Um, just super, super talented on the ball, like really creative, uh, knows how to get out of sticky situations, knows how to get in dangerous situations. He's a 2006. He's played a lot for the U-17s. Um, he was also impressive in that River game. Um, and then uh, I was really impressed with a lot of Inter-Miami uh, players. I think they have, I think San Jose and Inter-Miami are some of the like fastest emerging academies in MLS. They're in talent rich areas. And I think if they can really figure out their sort of academy to first team uh, integration, um, it'll be interesting to see what develops with the earthquakes, with the, the change in management there. But those are two clubs that have a ton of talent that uh, could really, they took like a Philadelphia union type model could really, start to become exporters of talent. But um, some some guys on Inter-Miami that stood out to me um, is another 2006 named Tyler Hall. He captains the U-17s uh, for, for uh, the U.S. national team, the youth national team. Um, he got injured uh, and didn't play the, in, the, in the playoff for Inter-Miami. And I think that was a big reason that they – didn't push forward. I think they were the most talented U-17s, and they, they lost to Seattle in the semis. Uh, he's an incredible center back prospect. Um, he's not the tallest right now, so if he does grow, I think he could be one of the best center back prospects we've seen come through our system. Um, he's really fast, uh, great leader, as, as evidenced by you know, captain, captaining the U-17s, um, really comfortable on the ball, um, really, really good in 1v1 situations, good in the air. He's athletic, so his height at this level right now doesn't really, it's not really a problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's hes another one that, that I'm really excited about. And then I'll just, um, I'm, I'll go really too young, I think, but <laughs> another player that I'll, just, I'll end with is uh, DiCarlo Guerra. He's a 2008, 2008, which is scary to say, um, he plays for the uh, LAFC U15s, um, so kind of playing up a bit because it's mainly 2007s who play at that level. Yeah. He's just like an incredibly talented, uh, skillful six. Um, he's probably the best 2008 that I've seen, um, though I don't really scout at that level too often. Um, but he's... Uh, LAFC were kind of like inner Miami there. I, I thought clearly the most talented team, but just in a knockout tournament, things happen. 
um, just a, your quintessential like uh, deep lying playmaking midfielder who's just reads the game incredibly well, uh, progresses the ball. I think the type of player that Greg Berhalter wants to play the six is obviously very young and has a long ways to go, yeah. but um, he really exciting prospect as well. Probably uh, it will happen where Greg Berhalter is not the coach at the time where he's ready to come of age and join the national team, but we will take yeah, all fair. the sixes we can get. We, we will take all the strikers, the number nines, the center backs. So uh, Marcus Sherez, thank you so much for joining the, the channel. Thank you for teaching me and hopefully everyone watching a little bit about our youth system and the pipeline to the pros. Do you have anything left to say to the people? No, um, just thank you for having me on. Um, I am very um, open to chatting on Twitter and or really any other forum. So if you want to learn more, uh, if you have questions, um, I am always open to chat. I love talking about this stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, just thank you for the time. It's been fun. Everyone, go follow Marcus. Thank you for, for joining us and teaching us. Like the video and subscribe to the channel for more USMNT. And we'll see everyone next time. And thanks so much to our sponsor for today's video, Bet Online.